How great was that? Let's give them one more round of applause. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. You did so good. That is fantastic. We need to say a big thank you to Ingrid and her team because, yeah, let's show them some big thank yous. Man, it is not easy trying to herd the cats, and they did such an awesome job, and kids were dropping like flies for being sick with major roles and all that kind of stuff, so you guys did so awesome putting that all together. You guys have fun back in your classes, man. Everyone say bye, guys. Yeah, good job. As they are exiting, can I talk to you guys for a few minutes before we jump into the sermon, and believe me, I get it, you're not here to see me. It hurts my feelings a little bit, but that's okay. We'll get over it. Um, couple things I need to let you know about. The first thing is that every uh, three times a year at our anniversary service in the fall, at Christmas, and then at Easter in the spring, one of the things that Blue Water has done is uh, at those three times we take up a special offering, and the idea is that if we all as a family can kick in a little bit extra than we would normally give to the church, we can take that extra and do some really cool things with it. So here's what we are doing this Christmas. We were reached out to by uh, one of our sister churches in Hamilton, and they have uh, they are connected with a young man in his early 20s named Abdullah, who is an Iraqi man and uh, had to flee his home because his life was in danger. So he is... Uh, I don't know if this is uh, on the stream right now, so I'm not going to say where he is right now because that literally could put his life in danger, but he's hoping to emigrate to Canada. This church, our sister church, is all set to receive him. Um, they are a church made up largely of immigrants, and so they are like, you know, very well positioned to help. What they, don't, uh, what they aren't able to do is to finance it. It takes about $20,000 for um, someone coming from a different country to get set up in Canada for that first year. So anything over the next couple of weeks that comes in above and beyond our regular needs, we are going to uh, pass on to our sister church in order to help Abdullah. Okay, so just want to make you know, make that known to you, and if you want to be a part of that, we would love for you to be a part of that. The other thing is, um, we have a number of opportunities, Pastor Scott mentioned earlier, it's actually so cool and crazy how many opportunities we have as a church to be generous, like it just seems to compound year after year. Um, if you know of someone in either our church community or the larger community who really could use a little bit of help um, this season, there's a, like, I don't know all the needs around here, okay? But you guys do. So if you, either yourself or maybe your small group can get together, get a few people to kick in. If you come up with $100 to give to that person, come and talk to me. I will give you an additional $200 that you can give to them. You can turn your $100 into $300 really quick, and you can give that to them just as a way to say, you know, uh, we, we love you, we bless you, my, our church loves you, and Jesus loves you. So after church, nobody interrupt me. I'm going to make a beeline for the office door right by the... Um, uh, screen in the foyer, and uh, my darling wife is going to help me, uh, and she's my bodyguard. Don't try and rob me. She will get you, but we will, uh, we, uh, you know, uh, we will be able to hit you with that. If, um, if you're on my list, if you've talked to me already, talk to me. If you haven't talked to me yet, we have a number of slots available still, okay? So we would love to get all that taken care of today if we can. This year at Blue Water, we have been uh, looking at Advent, looking at, at Christmas through the eyes of different people in, the, in the, the Bible, in the New Testament. And the reason why we are doing that this year is because in spite of... 
<laughs> Almost came down. <laughs> in, it's, it's amazing what you can see when you're on the platform that other people can't see. <laughs> in spite of uh, our best efforts to um, like track in with like the real meaning of Christmas, I don't know about you, but like I really want to be fired up and connected with what the real meaning of Christmas is. And despite our best efforts, man, it is all too easy to get bumped off and sidetracked, the commercialization of Christmas, the secularization of Christmas. It's really easy to get off the rails. And the hope is by um, really dialing into what these, like seeing Christmas through different people's eyes is to get us back on the rails, to, to reorient ourselves about what Christmas truly is. This morning, we are looking at Christmas through the eyes of Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you have your copy of God's Word, would love for you to open it with me to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one is where we are going to be this morning, starting in verse 26. Luke chapter one, verse 26. As we're turning there, keep turning, but I have a little factoid. I didn't know this until this week. You want to hear the little factoid? Don't say I never teach you anything, because here I got something for you. Did you know that Mary's name is, was not actually Mary? Did you know that her mama didn't name her Mary? And when Joseph was talking to her, he didn't call her Mary. If you look at the original language, and I went back and confirmed it this week, her name is actually Miriam. It's, it's uh, the Anglic anglicization, nope, it's the anglicized version of Mary, I guess, but uh, isn't that kind of crazy? I always thought her name was Mary. Nope, it's Miriam. Anyway, um, I thought that was kind of interesting. We do that to a lot of Bible names, by the way, in, just in passing. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Okay, I, I thought that was a lot cooler than you guys apparently did. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in, oh, this is bugging me. How many of you knew her name was actually Miriam? Show of hands. Okay, we have a couple people that did. I taught you, come on, give me something. All right, okay. If nothing else, we learned that. I get it, the kids are gone only Pastor Tim. Let's get through this together. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Miriam. <laughs> I changed it. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign, we sang about that earlier, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. Try and see this through Mary's eyes if you can. You're, you're, you're this young girl. You've never known a man. And this angel appears. Ah, 
It's a crazy experience in scripture, and look what he says. Uh, The first thing he says is, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29 says that Mary was troubled at these words. It doesn't tell us specifically why she was troubled. However, um, you know, other than the fact that she's talking to an angel, but it seems like she was just a humble person, the type of humble person that she was like, me, what? What are we talking, me? What are these things that you are telling me? Gabriel continued, look in verse 30. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Now this is really significant because that is basically a word-for-word rendering of um, uh, the Septuagint version or the ancient Greek version of Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. And Mary knew her Bible, she knew her Bible really, really well. And she knew that when Gabriel was saying that, she was very easily able to make the connection that what he was saying was that this prophecy given to Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years before, that prophecy was being fulfilled in her at that moment. Can you believe that? Put yourself in Mary's shoes and see this through her eyes for a minute. But he wasn't done, look at verse 32. Talking about her son, the Messiah, he continues, he says, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now we sang this earlier, and and that song that we sang, the first song uh, together, He Shall Reign Forevermore. That's been a real important song for me this uh, Christmas season, because I've just been overcome and and, 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 processing through this idea that Christmas is not just about the incarnation, but by that I mean that God of very God became a human. How can that even happen? That's the incarnation. Christmas is not just about the incarnation. It's also the fact that it's setting up that the rule and the reign of the Messiah will be forevermore. And this is what Gabriel says. Gabriel says that the Messiah will be a king, the type of king who will have a kingdom that will never end. He shall reign forevermore. Now that might cause some of you to think that's a nice thing to say and that's a nice sentiment, but are you trying to tell me that Jesus is ruling and reigning now? I thought that would look different because I know the world and I see the world and I experience hurt and I know there is great evil in the world and I've had loved ones who have died. How can we possibly say that he is ruling and reigning? How can we say that? Well, we don't have much time together, but we're going to throw another passage up on the screen for you. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 19. And we want to look at what uh, uh, the new, the, the, uh, uh, another passage in the New Testament and how the Apostle Paul talks about the ruling and reigning of the Messiah. Let's just walk through this. Starting in verse 19, he says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, what what he is saying is that the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of the Messiah, is more than what's going on right here. It's more than what we can see with our eyes and what we experience right now. And if you think that that's the extent of the rule and the reign of the Messiah, you're missing it, okay? Verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits from those who have fallen asleep. Now, some of you have heard me say this before, but that phrase, fallen asleep, that's an early Christian euphemism for death. 
because the early Christians did not understand death as a final separation, okay? That is why in Christianized countries, countries where the gospel has taken root, they don't call their, we don't call our graveyards graveyards mostly. What do we usually call our graveyards? Cemeteries. And the reason why we call them cemeteries is because cemetery is the Latin word for dormitory. So early Christians, when they uh, had a loved one who was in Christ, a, a Christian who, who died, they didn't see this as a final parting. They weren't putting them in a graveyard. They were just putting them to sleep in the dorm for a little bit. And Jesus, when he returns, they are going to be resurrected to new life. That was the early, anyway, we, we're getting a little bit of our head of us, ahead of ourselves. Look at verse 21. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Who are these two men? Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, Adam is our first father, and through his disobedience, death and sin and brokenness came into the world. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So if Adam wrecked everything by his disobedience, Christ, by his perfect obedience in what he did on the cross, enables us through belief in him, through faith in him, it enables, he enables us to be raised to new life someday physically, but right now spiritually. He raises us to spiritual life, and one day that's going to be physical life. Verse 23, but each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those along with him. So we're talking about verse 24, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion and authority and power, here it is, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Here's the point. With the coming of the Messiah, that first Christmas, the kingdom of God was inaugurated. It was begun. Now, the theological language is that the kingdom is inaugurated, but it's not consummated. In other words, in a sense, it's already here, but there's another sense in which it's not here yet. So is Jesus ruling and reigning? Yes, he is. Where is he ruling and reigning? He's ruling and reigning in us. For those of us who are believers in Jesus, for those of us who are Christians, who have repented of our sin, turned away from our sin, and follow Jesus, who love Jesus and serve Jesus and worship Jesus, he's ruling and reigning in us. I'm not talking about everyone who says they're a Christian. There's lots of people who say they're Christians and who have no interest in actually following Jesus. But for those who are genuine believers in Jesus, he's ruling and reigning in us, and that's what makes us different. That's why we are able to love like other people don't love. And when I say uh, love, I don't mean the way that the world defines love. I mean the way that God defines love, real love. That's why we can be selfless. That's why we can be generous. All of these things happen. So th This is how we can repent from our sin, how we can turn away from the wrong that we do. All of these things are enabled by the fact that Jesus is already ruling and reigning in us. Does that mean we're perfect? No. We all fall in many ways. 
but we're not what we were because he's ruling and reigning in us. And one day, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to step back into this world, and every enemy is going to be put under his feet. Satan and sin and sickness all under his feet. He's going to dry every tear. He's going to heal every hurt. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. He will put death to death. So this Christmas, when we think about Christmas, let's process this, not just that God became a man as a cute little baby, although that is true. Let's process this in terms of the fact that the, the fact that there is a Christmas promises that there is going to be a day when his kingdom will never end. Is he ruling and reigning right now? Yes, he is in us. And there will be a day when every eye will see and every person will acknowledge that he is Lord and the rule and the reign of the Messiah will be here in fullness. This Christmas, let's remember that. This Christmas, let's celebrate that. This Christmas, let's make sure that, that, that he's ruling and reigning in us. Father God, thank you so much that you have done so much for us that words fail. Jesus, we thank you that, that you came, that you were incarnate as a human on that first Christmas, that you lived the life that we should have lived without sin, that you died the death that we deserved, that you are even now ruling and reigning in us who believe in that one day, <laughs> glorious day, you will put death to death I pray that this week you would help us to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. That's you, our Lord and Savior. It's to whom that we give all glory, both now and forever. Amen. Thanks, friends. You're loved.